in a group learning context, you can speak to various different people and get their various different perspectives, see the blind spots of all those people. And by doing that, you reduce your own blind spots, which means you have a better picture of the whole thing. And in the end, you actually probably get closer to the truth. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Daniel De La Cruz on the show. Good morning to you, Daniel. Good morning to you as well. And thank you very much for having me on the show. That's great. And uh, you've already made me jealous by saying that you're in sunny Portugal uh, this morning, uh, which is uh, uh, fantastic. And it is sunny here in the UK, but it hasn't been for the last uh, number of weeks. Um, you're known as Dan the Agency Man, and uh, you're on a company called uh, Polymensa, uh, which is your non-ego advisory boards for agencies. Uh, and you also call yourself uh, the chief learner, which I'm intrigued of why you're calling yourself that. Um, and this morning, we're going to be exploring how to make uh, leaders better and using in sort of the context of, of team learning. So before we go into that, uh, Daniel, I'd like to know, uh, what do you love about what you do? In a, in a nutshell, helping people. Uh, I think both of us, we are in a very similar boat here. I mean, it, you know, this this here is called Helping Organizations Thrive Podcast, right? Um, look, it's 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 what I love about what I do. And um, I just had an idea today about a, a LinkedIn post, even though I was gonna gonna write about, which is um, an intro a day keeps the doctor away. Uh, I'm I'm very much the kind of connector type who uh, just the first thing I do when I meet a person, I think about well, how can I help them with my network? Um, how can we help mm. them with with any ideas? And it just it just makes me feel really good, you know. Makes makes me gives me purpose, I guess, and um, and and that's uh, that's ultimately why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, when did you realise that you knew you wanted to help people? I mean, has it always been there, or you had a moment where actually I just looked back on my life and thought, actually, this is what I do. I help people. I like helping people. Yeah. So uh, a bit of um backstory i'm um from the from the agency world when i say agency world you know marketing agencies tech and so on um and i set up an agency myself uh unfortunately um i uh, had the experience of, of of running that into the ground um for <laughs> for the reason that i was a bit of a fat cat um uh, didn't know much about running uh, uh the, the pnl at the time and, and just stripped out pretty much all of the cash of it um but the the experience that I had from that was pretty profound in in many ways because it humbled me. Um, it sort of brought me back to the to the ground and just sort of went, "Hey, first of all, you know what 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 do we what do we need to to survive? Well, uh, we don't eat much. We need bread, water, and a roof overhead. Right? That's that's pretty much that. So that was a really good um, experience. But then in the same uh, at the same time as well, I met a few people that I ended up getting into business with and um, and they were running what became the biggest peer support community for agency founders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they asked me if I could basically take it off their shoulders and, and run it. And I did that. And during that time, I met so many people that 
would call me up even on on a on a Sunday sometimes, and you know, these were these were business leaders basically, uh, agency founders, call me up on a Sunday and tell me things that they couldn't even tell their partners, you know, and 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 ask me for advice and help and everything. And um, rather than kind of walking or walking out of those conversations, coming out of those conversations completely, you know removed from energy and things like that actually it actually energized me and that's when i really realized that you know there's something in it that i really 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 enjoy about helping people and um and especially uh young people as well i really like helping young people because i always mm. feel that there's 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 more of a tendency to change there as well right and you see the difference you, you actually know that once you've said something to them they go off mm. away really energized really uh, inspired and then they go and, and do that so that's that's probably where it, where it first really started. Mm. Uh, similar, we, we both help people. I love helping people. I love that buzz when you you, you have that opportunity that actually you can help people because uh, obviously we can't, can't always help people. But often I get in situations where then I if I can't help them. Do I know somebody who can help them and kind of point them in a different direction or somewhere or to somebody else and hook them up with my network? And I think that there's something about that and having that intent uh, it's interesting when I, I, I met somebody this week and they asked me at the end, did you have any agenda today with this? I said, oh, no, I just, I just, had, A, wanted to get to know you and B, see if I could help you. And that, that, that they're my agenda points, which, you know, fairly open and broad. And I don't know where it goes to sometimes, um, but quite, it's quite exciting and it keeps you curious and keeps you uh, in that sort of mindset. Um, now you, and, and, it's, and, and as a, so, you know, as you said it just now, I think it's a bit of a fine balance, right? Like you have to really genuinely want to help people, and I think that's probably why people are um, these days so suspicious. Because you know, what is the first thing that people ask you when you walk into the shop? Can I help you? You know, and it's like, well, I don't want you to sell me any clothes. I just want to browse around, right? So there's that straight away that feeling of okay, this person's going to sell to me. Um, and, and it's a, it's a real fine balance. So I totally get where you're coming from and, and when people have those reactions, but yeah, for me, it's always been a genuine thing. And I, people that know me, I get so excited to see when I've helped someone. And as a result of that, mm. their life has been bettered and I'm like, mm. Oh my God, that's amazing. Like just really, really, really happy for them. So it, it just has to be a genuine thing. Right. Well, I think that the difference is, is, is it's you've got to set your intent to help and and if you do and if it is genuine you'll feel it uh, if, or if you all you feel from that person they just want to get me over the line as a client then you'll feel that as well because <laughs> when you set your intent for something it uh, affects your language your you know your tone your interaction everything it affects so it's, if it's genuine it'll come across genuine uh, but no i think it's, it's important and i i love that sort of approach um, just on your, it's interesting, your business, you know, your non-ego advisory boards for agencies. Um, I'm just curious of why you called it, had this thing about the non-ego. Are you saying that all people who are, who are board advisors or non-executives are, are full of ego? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, look, the Actually, the truth is, and here's a, a, a really practical um, tip for everyone. I uh, read a book, I think it was supposed to be a year and a half ago, um, by uh, a great positioning expert called April Dunford. don't know if you've come across April before. Um, and the book is called Obviously Awesome because, you know, that's what the book is. And uh, and it's a really easy read, right? So it's sort of like about, uh, you can probably read it in a day. 
Um, but there was um, there were some really interesting uh, processes in there that I followed to reposition my business. And one of them was this classic thing of, hey, um, select a, a group of your clients that you really enjoy working with and that you want more of for whatever reasons, whatever your criteria is, and then think about, uh, and then interview them, right? And interview them what are, uh, what are the reasons that they originally bought from you? What um, motivated them? Uh, like what alternatives would they have picked if they wouldn't have picked you? And the other thing in there was sort of listening to the language that they would use when they would answer these questions. And the thing that kept on coming up over and over again is that they said, oh, this this community that you built of us agency folk, um, it's so non-ego. It's just there is like no one's got an ego. Everyone's just so down to earth and you know honest about their successes and their failures and everything. Mm-hmm. And and it just kept kept on coming up with every single person. So I was like, well, that's that's just it. I'm gonna I'm gonna include that in the positioning because that's just the language that everyone uses. Um so mm-hmm. Kind of a bit of a marketing thing, uh, but there is also a little bit of an element to it. Yes, absolutely right. You know, other um, people, I guess that I'm sometimes in competition with might have big ego, <laughs> which I don't. So there you go. Fantastic, because because ego obviously can get in the way, can't it? Get in the way of ourselves, but also get in the way of, of others. And we all know what you mean. There's, ego can be a healthy thing because you've got to be able to sort of project yourself. Uh, but it's when it goes beyond who you're trying to help in terms of overshadowing them. That's when it starts to become tricky and difficult. It's interesting you you mentioned that in getting your feedback from your, your clients and interviewing them. Uh, and it, it seems to me that you have this approach to where you sort of get your learning or understanding by involving other peer. You mentioned peer support, you mentioned communities. And we're looking into sort of... Um, helping leaders become better and using team learning uh, which is that sort of involving others and not just you know learning on your own um so how would you define from your sort of experience and um and how you go about it uh, team learning for you yeah so i think there is um there is there there is different ways to to learning but the the most important thing is that we take a look at a row of different perspectives and we make sure that we reduce our blind spots. So in, an analogy that I always use with this is what business leaders often do is they um, they have a problem with something and uh, they either try to solve it themselves um, by reading some books or whatever, um, or they hire someone to solve that for them, uh, or they go out to get external advice. Now. I've, with my business, I fall into that category of external advice, right? And then there's there's various options there. So you could go to a non-exec, you could go to uh, someone that's maybe a, a real expert in a particular thing that doesn't necessarily call themselves like a, a non-exec, um, and so on. And 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 then there is uh, this kind of mastermind concept, right, that we all know of, where you get together with a bunch of people that are also running similar businesses, um, and and you you learn from each other basically, uh, and and that's. That's the key thing here, right? For me, the thing is, in the hip, going back to my analogy, if you um, if you go to a single human being to get your source of of learning uh, uh, and ask them 
that particular question that you want answering to, they're bringing all their biases into that question. So they'll have loads of blind spots and those blind spots you'll pick up. So um, what at best might be that you pick up a couple of things that can work for your business. At worst, like nothing is relevant for your business. And then you end up having paid loads of money for advice and so on. And it's just, it just doesn't work out. So um, with, a, with a group, in a group learning context, you can speak to various different people and get their various different perspectives, see the blind spots of all those people. And by doing that, you reduce your own blind spots, which means you have a better picture of the whole thing. And in the end, you actually probably get closer to the truth um, and, and, a, and a reality that is going to be more suited to your business. And the analogy, this is the third time I mentioned it, the analogy that I want to come back to is this idea of going to your nutritionist. If you go to a single nutritionist, and you pick up that one single diet that they prescribe for your body and it won't work, well, that's it, right? You know, nu nutritionists are all rubbish. There's no good nutritionists out there, you know, and whatever. But hey, that diet that that nutritionist prescribed you just didn't work for your body. Whereas what you kind of really want to do is you want to speak to 10 nutritionists and pick and choose what works for your body and go, oh yeah, that protein in intake strategy, that looks good for me. Or, you know, this sort of carb, diet or whatever i might do a bit of that and you sort of pick and choose and then if you see that there's an area of expertise um, that someone has in a particular area that you want to really improve in that you realize works well for your body well then you go off and work with that person that does nothing else but that every single day right and i think that's just a, a better approach but the problem is that uh, what happens with a lot of uh, business leaders is they don't have the time to go through that process of figuring out what's the best way to learning for them so you know, a peer, a peer context, like a peer support context is always a good way of doing that. And that can work within a company, with your, within your own mm. company, with your own employees, or it can work with across companies, other companies. So your employees working with other employees or founders of those businesses working with other founders of those businesses. And equally as well, when you're looking at a, at a topic and you're bringing in experts, again, I recommend having, you know, eight or nine experts that you initially talk to, to to get an idea of their different perspectives on it before you then decide, oh, okay, I'm going to work with this one. Yeah, and I think it's 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 uh, wise to have um, different uh, perspectives, different experiences, and that input. Um, but is there a, a danger of being overloaded with lots of viewpoints, lots of insights? And how do you, as a leader, if you're consulting six, seven nutritionist as for example how do you decipher what's right for you and how you operate how your business operates and that will take you to the next level because that that can be quite a challenge isn't it i, I get why having a mixture of inputs is, is valuable but that could be a little bit like i'm just overwhelmed here i don't know how do i navigate this yeah and i think that's where um it often is a bit of a challenge for um for people that want to go into, um, I guess the, the best way to, to look at this is, and I know this doesn't sound very inspiring, but I've spoken to thousands of, of people over the years that run businesses. And the reality is there is no, right for, like formula there is no silver bullet and i think there is a there is a little bit of a 
disease sometimes in the consulting space where our clients are seeking for that single answer mm. and think that single answer is going to be the solution to all of their problems. And the reality is what I've experienced in real life is that all the people I've known along the way have been making things up as they went along the way. They've got different people in mm. to help them out and give them their experiences and biases, but ultimately, you know, the set of reasons why that decision that was made and has become successful was way more complex than just that single answer that you would get from someone. Mm. So, so it's, I think a better approach is take a look at what's out there. What are the multiple perspectives? What are the different viewpoints? And then at the end of the day, you just have to make your own decisions and, and just go with something and just try it. Because in the end of the day, it's your business, it's your life, it's your context, mm. it's your luck um, that plays, you know, it, it, it's completely, completely detached from all of these other complex things. So, mm. so I think it's, it's really important to just re remind yourself that there is no, cause if there was a civil, but let's face it, we'd all be, you know, we'd all be rich, right? Like we'd all be running a business and be super rich and whatever, right? Like, mm. and I'm not saying that's always the, the reason why we're running businesses, mm. but yeah, if there was a, a, a formula or a silver bullet, then I think everyone would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it, and it, it goes, it plays into that area where people almost strive for perfection. I want the perfect plan. I want the perfect result. I want the perfect outcome. I want the perfect way of doing something. And perfection does not exist. Uh, in fact, it's great that it does not exist because when it doesn't exist, and we get failure or we get things that don't quite go as planned, we learn either more about ourselves, but also learn about our, our business, our industry, and it makes us better, stronger, able as we go forward. And so actually that approach is better in some ways, which sounds a bit contradicting why why we don't want perfect. Actually, no, it's healthy not to be uh, have perfection. And I think it's not to, to strive for that. And, I, and it goes back to where you say you just got to take some information and just assess and make a decision and go for it. And if it goes doesn't go well, then reassess, reevaluate, and do something different. I mean, but along the way, you would have learned something more than you were, whatever, one year ago, two, whatever, when you made the decision. What, in terms of working with leaders and getting them into, I guess, the right mindset, what do you think the right mindset is for sort of growing and developing a business and sort of doing all what we've just been talking about? That's a great question. The first thing really is the resilient component, right? The resilience component is it's so crucial. And and I know I might be like teaching some of the people here to suck eggs, and you know others are like on the on the edge of of their <laughs> existence right now, thinking, ah, oh, everything's going crazy, you know. But the reality is, you know what. I heard something the other day, I don't know where I read it, but apparently Mark Zuckerberg did this like interview with, with someone and he said, you know, waking up each day is like being punched in the stomach or something, you know? And, um, and, and I get that, you know, I get that because the, the people, so I, I tend to work with uh, agencies that are sort of between 20 and 50 employees. That's kind of like the, the sweet spot range. Um, and you know, the, the founders are like in this really interesting stage where there's a lot of transitions. Right. And, um, and, and I, I can hear the stories. I can hear how they talk and you, you know, that you wake up in the morning and you just think, well, I'm going to open up my email and I'm going to be like, what's the first 
worst thing that's going to happen, right? Like what's the bad, first bad thing that's going to happen? And and you kind of have to just go through that over and over again, just get punched in the face and keep going, keep going. So that, I think that resilience bit is really, really, really key. Yeah, I mean, there's no way like... Yeah, you can't got to be almost be a bit of a lunatic to run a business, um, and I feel you all the way. Uh, but the the resilience piece is a really key thing. The other thing is, I would say communication. And I know it sounds like such a cliche thing, but it is so 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 important. And especially the bigger your business gets, like how do you create a really simple simple way of communicating? what mm. what your plan is where you're heading what everyone else's little mini missions are along that way that are tying mm. into the bigger mission and and i think that's just such a crucial thing and you just need to become a really good communicator someone who can can, can talk convincingly who can understand um and and talk succinctly and clearly and use very simple language so that everyone in the business can understand mm. where are we going why are we doing this? Where are we going? And I think that's like a that's a really crucial thing, especially as you as you grow the business. Because the more you grow, it, the more you have to keep reiterating that, keep reiterating. And in the end, like as a founder, if you're if you're running a company of like two thousand people, you're doing nothing else but basically continuously communicating where you're going. Like mm-hmm. yeah, you know, because the rest of the rest of your leadership team and everyone in all the different structures, they're they're getting on with all the other problems. Whereas all you're doing is just continuing to communicate. That, mm. that over and over again, this is where we're going, this is where we're heading, this is where we're going, this is where we're heading. And um, and I think that's like a, a really crucial thing uh, along the way. I would say those those two things. There's, there's definitely more things as well, but those two things mm. are really, really key. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that resilient sort of mindset, and it is a mindset in some ways, and obviously we know we can, we can learn resilience, but it's that ability where you do get punched in the face, your analogy. Um, actually, what did I learn from that next time so I don't get punched again or... If I'm back on the back down the floor before I get back up, what are the learnings and how can I move forward? And it's it goes back to that you know you call yourself a chief learner, isn't it? It's that sort of learning approach. And um, and I think as CEOs, it's important to not. And I think often, and I, I've, I've come across it in the last few years where they feel certainly when the pandemic hit, I feel I need to know the answers to my to these problems. And I've I've often said to CEOs. You don't, and it's okay to not know because you've never been here before. <laughs> and so <laughs> if you're, and none of us have been here before. So if you're pushing the boundaries, certainly in your business, whether it's a pandemic or pushing innovation and you go into a new area, you're going to be in a place of unknown. And it's okay to be a bit more, I don't know, and then get people around you who perhaps will help you navigate and shine a light a little bit more for you. Um, but if it's feeling comfortable with that, and that, that takes, I think, takes courage i think um to do that and i know because people feel well, the leader should know all the answers um so you you do call yourself this chief learner and um and i'm, I'm intrigued of why um but also understand this sounds a bit of an odd question what have you learned by becoming a a learner as a learn approach because i know from your background at school it was very different wasn't it yeah definitely i mean uh, look for me um my upbringing was a bit bit of a challenge anyways um didn't didn't i actually i, I had this conversation with someone with a um with someone the other day who who came from a similar background and it's always quite interesting i don't i don't like talking about this whole like privilege thing because for me it's very simple it's like look 
um, I, I, in my case, I, I maybe was what, what some people might perceive as being a bit underprivileged, but I didn't, I didn't use that as a, as a reason for me to not do anything. Like I, mm. I think I don't, I don't, I never want to be in that victim role. Like I, I want to make a change. I want to uh, have a solution. So, you know, um, a bit of context, uh, didn't grow up with much, much money, very modest sort of stuff, you know, McDonald's being a luxury, uh, for, uh, for us every three months. And, um, and, and, and there was a lot of, you know, violence at home. My, my parents were quite violent with each other and so on. And, um, and, and, and so a lot of that kind of carried into my life at school, um, which meant one, I had to really learn to argue without going back to, to our analogy of punching someone in the face. Um, I had to really learn that because my natural way that I was brought up and, and the son was don't argue, uh, but hey, there's another solution, right? <laughs> to stop someone. And I had to learn that over years, this kind of like ability to debate and argue. I think it was really healthy. Um, as a result of all of this, school just took, I mean, took a real hit. Like I had I had no interest in in learning. And I think it wasn't that I wasn't interested in learning because when people presented things to me in an interesting way, I was I was there, I was able mm. to concentrate, but uh, but it was just this idea of authority and someone there that one may, maybe this is where it all comes from, right? Maybe that one single person that stands at the front and tells you, this is the way, you know, you have to learn it. This is the way you have to learn mathematics. Well, mathematics, at least there's a little bit more of a, you know, one dimensional thing often. Mm. Um, uh, but with a, lot, with a lot of other courses, it was all, that was always a struggle for me. Where it, where it really changed is when I started um, having a lot of like, I guess exactly like you're saying, you know, like a lot of things that didn't go well in my life. And then I reflected on those and realized actually those are the things that are really shaping me every single time, right? Those are the things that are really developing me because when everything is going well, you don't learn much. And so, so then I kind of started forcing myself out of my comfort zone and looking at what can I do to really push myself out of those areas and what can I learn from that? And, um, and, and as a result of that, I've, I've always had this mantra really of trying to be brave, trying to be as brave as possible and, and staying with the punching analogy, you know, the last four years I've been brave enough to, as a, as a 38 year old, um, to get into boxing and, and actually have four amateur fights. And that was like, um, you know, like a, like a, a thing at the beginning of that journey. I mean, I was like Bambi on ice skates the first time I walked into a ring, uh, thinking this is never going to happen. And it was such a scary thing to walk into that ring. And, you know, you can't, like, you don't want to look stupid, right? You don't want to, but, but, you know, you, you're in there. That's it. Once you're in there, you're not going to come out again um, unless someone throws in a towel. So I think to, to answer your question around the whole, you know, what did I learn from, being a learner is that I think I'm just a happier human being. I'm a happier human being when I'm putting in the effort mm. to either push myself out of my comfort zone or to learn something that I've never come across before. It excites me. It's not, you know, it's mm. novel. It's the novelty, I guess. Um, and, and that serendipity uh, of things. And, and it's, it can be as simple as the other day uh, as a, as I was walking along the beach, there was loads of surfers everywhere. And then there was this rock formation that came out of the, 
out, out of the, the you know the cliffs into the sea so you kind of had to cross that rock formation which was quite dangerous and you know slipping around and stuff kept on falling over and i managed to get over on the other side and then there was a beach that was empty for about 10 kilometers like there was no one absolutely no one and and i was like wow i've like discovered something that clearly a lot of those people that are too busy surfing over there were too busy you know not wanting to take that risk of climbing over mm. that bit of rock foundation uh, to learn that they've there's now this empty beach here where no one is you know mm-hmm. and and it, it was a hard way to get there but i discovered something and actually that really excited me um and and the beach was beautiful as well so I think that's a good analogy to work. That's very good. It's interesting, isn't it? Being a bit curious with a little bit of courage or bravery, you discover things that are there about yourselves or or environments or you meet people that you'd never ever thought you'd ever be in that context with. And, you know, I, I liken that to what I do in my podcast, the people I meet. I would never have thought I would have met these people and interaction that I have with all these people. And I just took a step and got curious and um, keep making those steps and being curious. And um, I, I, I talk to fascinating people like yourself. So it's, um, oh, it's, you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small thing, isn't it? And it, it's, and it's just a little, for me, I think it's just like a nuance in our mindsets, you know, and, you know, I heard some the other day, you know, about, you know, rather than saying, Oh, I've got to go, I've got to go again. I'm going to do my job today. I've got to do this, got to do, you know, I almost got to, I was like, Oh, I get the opportunity today to to work. I get the opportunity to to walk with my daughter to school, or whatever it may be, and it just changes the perspective. I remember I used to pick up my my, my girls from late nights at parties, um, and rather than going complaining about it's late night and I have to wait up and everything else, I go, oh, I've got an opportunity to spend some time with my daughter. I just reframed it, and doing that meant I enjoyed the journey. They didn't always talk to me and, and everything else because teenagers don't talk to parents. <laughs> Um, but I spent time with them. I was just being with them. And it's just sometimes we get that nuance of, of a reframe can be really helpful in anything we do. And we can all do that no matter where you are, whether you've got money or have got money or no money, whatever it is, or any situation. I'm curious on the, the boxing just, just side. To, just, to, just to add something onto that. Um, and, and I think this is a really important point to make as I'm only just moved to Portugal last month. right? And this is something a lot of people are asking me, hey, so what? What's it like, right? And and um, again, another beach story. My my girlfriend and I were walking along the beach, and it was um, it was late at night, and there was uh, there, the moon was out and everything, and and uh, you know, beautiful night. And we were like, oh, we're living we're living the dream, aren't we? We're living the dream, yeah. And and she's like, yeah, I'm living the dream. And the next moment, I was like, am I really happier though? Like really like like deep down when i asked myself that question i'm really happier as a result of now living the dream that so many people want to live um no i'm not not at all like and and that's and, and then it just hit me in that moment that you know yes we as human beings we seek these things like oh you know you go on a holiday somewhere nice and you go well wouldn't it be nice if we just stayed here now like what you know and then imagine all of this and it's like that's not what it is. It's not that. It's not that that bigger picture of like, what is if if my life was here now? Like for me, I feel like I've gone from one treadmill in one country, I've been picked up, I've been dropped onto another treadmill in another country, right? Because I still work as hard Monday to Fridays, um, and then and then on the weekends, yeah, I definitely enjoy the environment. But the but the thing that then that night 
where it just it reminded me again a bit like what you said mm. that kind of awareness of the opportunities i had the opportunity to use your words to look at the ocean and see the glistering of the moon and the ocean mm. and and as the white of the waves came in it was like there was an additional light and it was so beautiful and i was like mm. Like without being really like overly spiritual, you know, this is not mm. me, right? But I'm just, I was looking at that and I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is where it lies. It lies in the mm. detail of life. And and I can have that in the, in rainy UK, walking through a forest and, mm. you know, looking at a tree and just being like, oh, look at that mm. little thing on the tree. Or mm. or someone has mentioned something and I discovered something new as a result of, of, of that, you know, a learning. And those little like nitty gritty details, at least to me, that's the thing that makes me happy. And I think... Uh, that's probably also the case for a lot of people that are thinking this idea of, hey, we're going to move somewhere and you know, mm. live the dream, right? It doesn't change. <laughs> well, no, I, I think people forget that the same person goes to that environment. Um, and so whether you had a, you know, a mindset of this, it's going to be the same you take with you. And I know environments do help us a little bit. I'm not saying they don't impact us. They can be positive. Um, but it's it's more focusing on changing the environment in your head. Uh, and I think that's the difference. Um, so as whether you're in Portugal or in, in the sunny UK, um, it doesn't matter. It's the, it's what's in your head. And that's that's really important. Um, I'm curious about the the step of going into boxing. And I'd just like to just sort of finish on this, really understand why you took. I, I think it's a brave thing. I wouldn't want to step in a, a boxing ring, to be honest, <laughs> knowing full well someone's going to ha- hit me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, and I d- what, what what was what was behind that? I know we talked in the context of learning. What was the driver, and 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 how? What helped you get beyond the sort of fear of actually making the step of um, committing to it? Yeah, G- uh, great question. I'm going to tell the the truth um, as I always do, uh, which is sometimes a little bit less glamorous. I uh, I was together with a, a girl at the time, and uh, there was. Um, she wasn't in the best place mentally. And then there was another friend that was around her quite, quite frequently. And he wasn't in the best place mentally. And he had said he used to box. And I was like, well, where, where did you use to box? Well, around the corner, there's a gym. Oh, great. Well, why don't the three of us all go there and, you know, have a great time. And, um, you know, maybe that will help you guys as well. So I, I, I slipped into the role of a fixer there, which is that dangerous territory that happens quite often to people that are helpers. Um, and, and so I went, they didn't, (laughs) and I went again, they didn't again. And I kept on going and I was like, actually, I'm really, I'm really enjoying this. This is really, this is really good for me. And, uh, yeah, as, as, and I just decided this, this is going to be the next thing that I'm doing sports wise. Um, and I looked, I, I spoke to my coaches and everything and I said, look, I'm, I don't know where this journey is going to take me, but I would like to take this quite far, right? And and we started off with a white collar fight. Then they said, "What are you doing, white collar?" Because you can you can do and white collar. Just for those of you that don't don't know what it is, white collar is usually those kind of charity fights that you get, yep. where people kind of step into the ring. They maybe train for like six months or something, not even sometimes, and um, and it, and it's usually to raise money. Uh, whereas amateur is the real kind of competition level where there is a a route to either the Olympics um, or the AABAs, as they call them, I think, um, or obviously a professional boxer, which I was like, there's no way I'm going to go down that route. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was, that's the true story. 
And and just stepping into the ring into a fight first time, I mean, what was going in your head and how did you overcome perhaps the demons of everything screaming at you to stop you doing that? What what, what was it? I think um, every time... I stepped into the ring. There was a, there was quite a, a, a large fraction of fear, and it's really fascinating to see in the changing rooms, right? Like, so there's usually a changing room. You either have the blue corner, the red corner. Each one has their own changing rooms, and and on these boxing shows, there's usually multiple boxes. So there's about ten boxes or, or twelve, or whatever, and and the, you see all the different people how they react pre-fight, and you have people that are literally they they they're vomiting right? Like, because they, they're so afraid of the situation. The minute they get into the ring, boom, fight, flight hits, right? So I think it's the kind of whole buildup. Um, and, and everyone has a different way of, of how they approach this. I'm someone who's very, uh, I, 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 I'm quite good at compartmentalizing. So actually, I think I only have pockets of where I get afraid. And then I, I push that away quite quickly. Um, so I don't, I, I, I don't go through the whole emotions and, and that's my way of dealing with things. Right. Mm. So, so that's my way of dealing with getting into the ring. And then, and then once I'm inside the ring, um, I, I then just go, right. And I use that energy to, 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 to fill me up. But the fear is pretty, is, is pretty full on. Right. And, and the thing I kept on always saying to people is like, look, you know, how, how often do people get into fights? Like in their lifetime, like physic, actually physical fights for, you know, it's only three rounds amateur, three rounds, two minutes um, at the level that I was boxing at. So six minutes, right? A six minute fight. Like most people don't ever do that. Um, whereas we did that every, every single week, basically uh, inspiring um, competitions, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question in a, in a long winded way, I, my approach to it has always been about compartmentalizing and just being like, look, there's no mm. point in freaking out about this now because I don't know what the situation is. I go get into the ring mm. and have an opponent that's far less skilled than I am and I will beat him. Or I have an opponent that's better than me and then I have to work you know, towards how do I get even better to beat that mm. type of opponent. And I think that's, that's sort of more my approach to that. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is scary. <laughs> Not going to lie. And has it made you, because obviously you, you, you can take the analogy of what you're doing in the context of business life, you know, making decisions, whether doing presentations, fear comes to all of us in different guises. You'd have to be fighting a, a person. Um, has it given you a threshold that's as raised where you're, you get less bothered by bigger situations where normally, I know five years ago, You'd be like going for a presentation. You feel like, oh, now it doesn't bother you as much. Is that, has that helped you with that? What one hundred percent? And again, I think my whole mentality around being brave has helped me with that. So every time, um, I like, yeah, it, it, it's that right. It's going back to the point around resilience. Um, it, it it teaches you resilience. These sort of things teach you resilience, and mm-hmm. uh, you. Um, you, you get up, get back up and, you know, and the thing is with, with something like boxing, like the first time you go into sparring, yes, your team members are going not as hard on you as they would because they're more experienced. And that's kind of like an unspoken thing in combat sports that you do, mm-hmm. unless you go into a gym, that's like really naughty. Um, but like 
that's kind of the the unspoken word. And and your coach will always tell you as well, look, he's less experienced than you. Just, you know, get, go light. But for you, you know, getting even just getting once is already bad enough. And your defense is so bad at that point that you're, I mean, I, I, I used to walk out of the gym sparring, had a bloody nose, had marks around my eyes every single, every single time. And that went on for a good six months, probably until I finally understood the mechanics of defense and everything. So that I didn't get that anymore. And then suddenly it didn't happen at all anymore, mm. but that I could only get to that level by continuing to per- persevere and understand mm. and learn what's happening here, what's impacting and being punched again and being, you know, have another bloody nose. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I take that same analogy into, into business 100%, mm. you know, it's, 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 it's hard again, going back to my point, if it was easy, we would all be doing it. Right. Indeed. It's interesting. My, my thing that, that increases my threshold of, of, of anxiety or, or, yeah, threshold of anxiety, I guess, um, is I do cold water swimming and cold showers. And it, it's it's interesting what that's done for me. You know, I walk into it, not that I got anxious walking into a group of people, but we all get that sense of nerve, which is it's normal, but I, I just don't get that at all now. I saw walking completely, not indestructible, completely ego or oh, i'm who i look who i am it's just i just don't have it anymore and i don't talk to anybody interact with anybody and i don't have that sense of nerves about stuff i have a sense of an occasion and what's important what's right and obviously that but it doesn't worry me so much and i think i've pushed my threshold higher for situations so whatever it is it's always good and i think it's healthy to do that as well have um, you have you as a result this is a question back to you actually have you as a result um like been able to deal with the cold weather as well in a, in a different way, like, um, and, and how you deal with like rain and things like that. Like, has that also, yeah, well, I, I look at everything and it sounds really sort of cliched, you know, if it's raining and I'm out in the rain, I just think, ah, oh, it's great. I mean, I'm getting wet. This is nice. Yeah. I, I just changed my perspective. You know, when you're yeah. in the cold water, eight degrees and it's really cold, you, you, you have to think, you get to get a bit more mindful to get in the more in the moment and you just got to change some perspective here of a, well, what's this going to do for me? It's going to be great for my circulation and all the benefits, all the, all the mental things it's doing for me, the community and we're doing it with as well. Cause that's important as well as community. Um, and so, yes, it enables me to be quicker in situations where it's rubbish. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it makes you think quicker on your feet. Not, yeah, I, I would say that's because I, because you have to be a bit, Sounds a bit weird thinking on your feet when you're in cold water, but actually (laughs) mentally you have to think how I'm going to navigate through this and do another two or three minutes. And when those, those feel like hours when you're in that cold, um, but I, the I love whole it. muscles, everything sort of cramping up. You're just going, the one, the feeling of getting out, <laughs> the sense of achievement is just yeah. absolutely amazing. And so if you've yeah. had a rubbish week business-wise and you do this on a Sunday morning, come back, come out, you feel elated. Well, at least achieve something. I've, I've done cold water for 10, exactly. 10 minutes, whatever it is. So exactly. that's really good. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Daniel, and I could talk Same here. more about uh, your your how you approach things. And, and we, we sort of uh, talked about sort of team learning and how it's important as CEOs to really have that learning mindset, really, however that might be facilitated. But having the sort of counsel of others is really important. Um, if people are interested in connecting with you and get to know you a bit better, how might they do that? Uh, so a cu- couple of ways um, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. So it's Daniel Dela Cruz, um, Dan the Agency Man. I think I've got in the in the LinkedIn one as well. Uh, it's probably the best way. Or check out the website polymenza.com. 
Uh, we've also got a newsletter, actually. Um, interesting. Well, maybe we can put that in the show notes. Um, I always put a little yep. um, bonus a bonus in for uh, for the podcast that I'm on, for, for the listeners of the podcast. So if you want a little bonus um, for your business, um, it's a quite nice little report uh, on virtual onboarding. So how to onboard employees, um, that, that comes with that. So, uh, so yeah, we can probably put that in the show notes. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's probably the best way, really, those, those two ways. Brilliant. Well, I will put all those in the show notes. And uh, thank you for your time today and um, speak to you another time. Amazing. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.